Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And folks, today we're going to do Shut Up and Eat Your French Fries. Ed, this is going to be great. (laughs) I love this show title. Love it. Did you know, Ed, that a child asks about 40,000 questions between the ages of two and five? Yes, I do, Ron. And <laughs> I've got five children. Yes. <laughs> I do. So, wait, 40,000 times five? So, that's 200,000 questions, Ron. 200,000. <laughs> Hence, shut up and eat your friends. <laughs> Now give us the origin of that, Ed. Where's that, where's that line come from? Yeah, so this is a, a Louis C.K. Uh, bit, and love Louis C.K., and we'll, we'll definitely put this one up on the show notes. And just the, the, the warning right now, not suitable for work or home, right? <laughs> or young kids. Young kids, no, yes. <laughs> you don't want to play this video around them, but it's hysterically funny. And Louis C.K., as many comedians do, have, has a fantastic insight into this and the, the the bit starts off with him saying you know the, p- p- people who see parents a- out and about and are critical of them were never parents themselves because if they were they would be saying you know what what did that child do to that poor mother <laughs> <Right>? and most of it is around asking the question why right so you know daddy is you know what we can't go outside why well because it's raining well why <laughs> he goes on to the next and the next and he's and he brings it back and he says look i'm going to stop here before this gets weird and abstract <laughs> but you know all of a sudden you're saying crazy stuff and it always ends up with sitting in a mcdonald's with bags strewn around you going just shut up and eat your french fries because it's true, right? If you keep asking why, I mean, ultimately you end up with stuff, something like, well, things can't be and not be at the same time. <laughs> you get all of these existential, you know, answers. Right. Yeah, that's the Toyota five whys, right? It I is mean, the Toyota five whys. But in a business context, I think that we are challenged by this because I don't think that in a business context, we ask enough why and what Really, the, the shut up and eat your French fries is a nod to is the fact that there have been some times in my business career where I have been told to shut up and eat my French fries. Sure. And, and I can tell you that nothing will get me PO'd faster than saying that. 
right? Yeah. Especially if I'm just asking like the first or second why, right? Because <laughs> really, and uh, you and I are both both fans of a of a of a book that's out called A More Beautiful Question, and I just want to read this quote. I'm not really a big fan of reading quotes, but. This one, I think, is well worth it from Warren Berger, di- different than the Supreme Court justice, by the way, for those of you listening in the States. And he said, said this, and this is actually a conglomeration of a couple of different quotes together from the book in one. Great products, companies, even industries often begin with a question, yet few companies actually encourage questioning in any substantive way. There are no departments or training programs focused on questioning, no policies, guidelines, best practices. On the contrary, many companies, whether consciously or not, have established cultures that tend to discourage inquiry in the form of someone asking, for example, why are we doing this particular thing in this particular way? Right. And I think that that's extremely profound and astute. I think that we – as in many cultures of businesses have been – we are shut out from asking, asking questions, especially the why question. Well, you know, the 40,000 questions, Ed, between the ages of two and five, and then after that, it drops like a stone. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a graph in the book, and it just falls off a cliff. And, you know, somebody said only in kindergarten do we put up with people asking questions that are off topic. I mean, by the time you get into that first or second grade, right, it, only the yeah. teacher can ask questions, mm-hmm. not the student. So we're just, I mean... We kind of like you know we lament reading and writing, but think of uh, listening and and speaking. Those aren't taught very well, but then the art of questioning is just ignored completely, almost. And and, and like you said, and like what Berger says in the book, um, you know, most companies don't <laughs> don't facilitate asking questions because I think part of it is again this holdover from Frederick Taylor efficiency 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 asking questions is inefficient oh very inefficient right I mean wait a minute I got to stop here and explain myself <laughs> <clears throat> or I've got to make you think about something that you know rather than do something right a question makes you stop and think about something and and you know companies just don't want to do that they rather have answers and and it's interesting cuz one of the things that i really loved about this book a, a more beautiful question is he talks about google google is a company that literally runs on questions and people say that it's because the the two founders were montessori educated and in fact Eddie calls it the montessori mafia the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia founder, Jimmy Wales, Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos from Amazon, and, uh, you know, the two guys from Google, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, all Montessori educated. All have, wow, cultures, unbelievable. all have cultures that run on questions. Yeah, very true. And, and by questions, I don't necessarily mean, yes, fa- founders and, and leadership certainly, I think, ask questions. But what I find is that then they don't want folks down on down on further line to ask questions. Yep. Right. Um, and and when when questions are asked, they are sometimes dismissed. And as as well, you know, we we we've, we've already talked about that. We got to move on. And and is part of it because leaders aren't really good questioning people either i mean leaders think they come into the job ceo whatever and they have to have answers they can't run around and ask questions it would undermine their authority undermine the hierarchy Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I, I think that's part of hey, I, I'm supposed to be the one that has the has the answers. Uh, but it, but I also think it's it's a, a part of the fact that it's that we ha- it's difficulty in communicating some a- abstract stuff on the way down, right? Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's easy it's easier to say you know we're going to grow market share. Well, yeah, okay. How long did it take you to come up with that one, genius? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> but then then what are the particulars of that? Well, and and I think it also gets to something that our friend Tim Williams talks about is that. Leaders and organizations don't necessarily want to say no necessarily to anything because they, they'd rather just have it free form. They'd rather not define specifically what it is that we're doing because then, again, it's kind of on them, right? Right, right. Yeah, maybe even especially with customers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he does define it. He says a beautiful question is ambitious yet actionable. And, and one of the equations he has, Ed, and I just love this, is uh, Q plus A. Where Q is questioning and and A is action, and he says that equals innovation. Right. Where if you have Q <clears throat> questioning minus A minus action, you have philosophy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're not talking about the why are we here questions. You know, how did something <clears throat> become of nothing? You know, it's not those questions. Actionable questions in a business context. Correct. Correct. But, you know, I, I will say this, though. I, I think those philosophical questions are also important. I think they shouldn't be left aside. I think, you know, that's the whole Simon Sinek start with why. We really have to get better at communicating that 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 why purpose type questions throughout the organization. And, you know, I'm a big, big believer in purpose. And, you know, I, I, I actually think that every meeting in every company should start off rehashing what our purpose is and, and, and asking this question about the meeting. Does this meeting drive us further along the path of that purpose? And if the answer is yes, great, let's have the meeting. If the answer is no, probably doesn't, then why are we having the meeting? Right. Yeah, no, I, it's a great point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't shy away from philosophical questions. I think they're really important, even though they may be abstract. Uh, I don't think we spend enough time on it. No, uh, clearly not. I, I don't think we do either. A couple other great, interesting insights, too, from Frank Lloyd Wright. You know, we've talked about Mr. Wright before. Interesting guy he says an expert is someone who has stopped thinking because he knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it and seems he's like, often pain to know, right? And so you yeah. can't, right? can't ask any more questions. I know. Yep. Yeah, and and you know, I I think this is one of the hardest things, and I can only speak as a you know recovering CPA. But you know, there's been talk for decades about accountants, you know, doing more business advisory and consulting services, and I do think Ed, the biggest roadblock to that is we're paid for answers. When clients ask us a tax question, whatever, you know, we feel we need to get the answer or go look it up really quick or have it off the top of our head. But consultants are paid for questions. Mm-hmm. And the questions are far more valuable than the answers. And I don't think the profession can wrap its head around that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. that. That was something that my mentor, Howard Hansen, said to me way very early in my consulting career. Probably not early enough, by the way, which is consultants are paid not for great answers, but for asking great, great questions. And he would even add and asking a, a different, newer question, right? Something that is is different from what's been asked in previously, and I'm just going to share a, a, another quote from a gentleman I know you have a lot of respect for too, Ron, and that is Eric Hoffer, 
who mm-hmm. is uh, so uh, he is a philosopher, self-taught philosopher. That was a, but a longshoreman in Port of San Francisco, right? Right, right. And then uh, taught himself philosophy, and and I really do like this about the idea of questions. He said language was invented to ask questions because answers can be given in grunts and gestures, but questions must be spoken. Humanness came of age when. Man asked the first question, and I love this part, Ron. Social stagnation results not from a lack of answers, but from the absence of the impulse to ask questions. It's brilliant. I, yeah, it is absolutely brilliant. And I think that that is, you, you know, s- s- separate out the philosophy of this and change social stagnation to, you know, s- stagnation of an organization. Sure. Value stagnation or results. Or, yeah. <clears throat> right. Yep. Is that, it, look, it, we're, we're, there's plenty. Everybody's got answers, but are, are people asking new, new and better questions? And and I do love this idea that 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 only humans can ask questions. I mean, animals, as far as we know, do not ask questions at all. They can indicate preference, at least the way that we understand it, right? I'm sure you've had your dog look at you, look at the popcorn, look at you, look at the popcorn. Absolutely. Look at you, look at the popcorn, <laughs> right? So he, clearly your dog is expressing a preference for, hey, I, hey, hey, guy, can I have some popcorn? But, <laughs> but, it's, not, but it's not expressed at all because um, that, that's a, the expression of a preference. It's not really a question. Right. It's not and, curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not and, curiosity. And, until they can, until the brains at IBM can get Watson to acquire the equivalent of curiosity and creativity and divergent thinking skills, uh, questioning is going to be in the realm of us humans, and that is one thing that that we have over, you know, AI. I guess is our ability to ask questions. Yeah, because uh, as far as I know, that's a that's a good thought, Ron. I have to do some research on that. But Watson will only take input, right? I mean, yeah. Watson's not just going to uh, all of a sudden say, you know what? I don't want to learn. I want to learn about this now. I, I guess in, when they played Jeopardy, Ed, they have, since they have to answer in the form of a question, he was, they were able to get him. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, but, but all, that's not the same thing. No, but then, you know, that, that, that's just, that's just a, 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 an interesting game show technique to make it a little bit more interesting, right? I provide the answer and you provide the question. But, 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 but it's, not, it, it's, it's not a genuine seeking of new knowledge, Right, right. It's right. not an tell. Tell me more about that. Right. So anyway, wow. This is a, a great conversation. I'm gonna. I, I personally love talking about this stuff. So I'm enjoying the, the this show, and I probably will enjoy the rest of it. But right now, it's time time to take our first break. But we want to remind you that you should uh, always get look at look for us at thesoulofenterprise.com on the website. We keep show notes up there and previews of what's going on. Uh, in addition, you can get links to our books uh, as well as our iTunes. And please keep those uh, reviews on Amazon and iTunes coming. They're like gold to us. Really appreciate that. But if you want to just email us, just email ask, T-S-O-E, A-S-K, T-S-O-E, the soul of enterprise, at verisage.com. And Ron and I will be happy to take your questions. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing 
Together, we plan your marketing strategy, install a website that gets results, and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise you know dr seuss said that sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple <laughs> And <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> it is. It's all, it's either, you know, it's a Jogi Bearer or Dr. Seuss, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I think it's right along the lines of understanding. I mean, look, this is a different way of saying was Ronald Reagan's quote, and I'm not going to get it exact. It's it, but but yeah, the, sometimes, the, you know, the there are the, there are simple answers. They're just not easy. Easy. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's the that that's that's uh, the the flip side of this. But I want to talk a little bit, Ron, about some of the basics of questions. Like, what 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 do questions do for us, right? Okay. And there's five quick things that I want to d- talk about. One is that questions determine the quality of our experience, right? The mm. questions that we ask actually determine how how what how well we perceive something. Sure. So the, the, the better we are at asking questions, the, the, the better our quality of any kind of experience will be. And you probably had experience with this, you know, when you're walking into uh, a Disney park. Wow, I wonder how they did that, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, all, all of those things, those are questions that come into to your mind that actually, it, even if they're not expressed, improve the quality of your experience, right? And, and it's kind of like interviewing, too, Ed, isn't it? Because you really have to listen. If you're going to ask good questions, you've really got to be engaged in listening to the person. Yes, absolutely. There's a little exercise that I, I, I do where – and this I, I borrowed this from my friend Mahan Khalsa, who uh, I saw do this for the first time. And maybe he wasn't who invented this exercise. But it's really interesting. And what you do is you take – people and go back to Yogi Berra. We have them pair off in threes, right? Um, <laughs> and th- then what they do is they each take turns at one of three different positions in a conversation. And the first position is what's called the active person, right? This is the person who's telling a story. And we say, just, hey, just start to tell, tell something about yourself. Doesn't matter. Just anything about you, just start talking, right? That's the active person. And then there's a person in the triad who is in what's called receptive mode. And the only thing that they're allowed to do is ask questions, 
right? Mm. And they're also allowed to give some like nonverbal feedback, like you just did, mm, you know, or yes, tell you, or uh huh, you know, something like that. You are allowed to do that just to, to give, but you can't make a statement, right? You're not allowed to make a statement. So only ask questions. And then the third person in the triad, they, they are in observation mode. Right, they are only allowed to watch this conversation. So we have each person in the triad spend maybe two or three minutes in that, and then we rotate like volleyball, rotate, and everybody flips, and you each get you get the next the next position on the triangle. And then after this goes on, it takes about ten minutes to do, and then we say, okay, so what did you learn? And there are some really interesting things that always come out of that exercise. And one of the, the, the things that, that comes out, and if it's not the first thing, is something like, wow, I didn't realize that the person who is asking the question is really in charge of where the conversation goes, mm-hmm. right? It's not the active person. It's actually right. the receptive person. It's like the listener is That's in charge right. of the conversation, not the talker. That's right. The listener, well, the, the we'll we'll call it inquiry, right? An inquiry is is a balance between questioning and listening, mm-hmm. right? So the person who's in this, the, who is the in, uh, inquisitor, <laughs> uh, but in in inquiry mode, they they're the ones who determine what you talk about, even right? Because I if, if I'm just telling a story about myself, you might pick up on a piece of it and say, oh, well, well, tell me more about this, right? So then I go down a path that I maybe hadn't planned on talking about, right? So it's really up to the questioner to, to determine what is really talked about. <laughs> By the way, the, the other thing that oftentimes come, comes out of this exercise, and I find this one fascinating, is that most people really detest the observer-only role. <laughs> they don't, right, they right. don't like that, right? They'd rather be talking or even listening and asking questions. And when I ask why, a lot of folks say, well, because I, I didn't like the questions, <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. I didn't like the story is that they thought that the questions could have gone down a different path that they they would have gone a different way which it leads me to the, the, the next couple things that I want to talk about so I said one we said that cur- the questions determine the quality of experiences but it also they also determine how well we understand others right mm-hmm. Our, the, how well we ask specific targeted questions determines how well we understand what's going on. They also determine how we relate to the world, right? And what's important and what's not. They the questions determine what is it, asking a question about something makes a determination as to that 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 must be important because you're asking about that thing, it increases the importance of whatever it is that you're asking about at least to the other person. And then lastly, and I find this one the most fascinating is that questions determine the course of our actions and direct the actions of others. Mm-hmm. Now, you wouldn't mm-hmm. think that questions direct the actions of others, but they really do. Oh, think about right. in the scientific community. I mean, a good question can, can lead to decades of research. Einstein said, you know, curiosity and questioning were holy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I think those, those things are so important. And, and I, I think we have given the short shrift to really good questions. And later on in, in the, the broadcast here, I want to share, if I can, Ron, some of the best questions that I've come across. And oh, that would be, be helpful with people. But um, not, not quite there yet. I think we'll, we'll save that further for the end. Well, well, you know, Ed, this points up, the again, the prescience and wisdom of Peter Drucker, who said, you know, his greatest strength was to be ignorant and ask a few questions. Yeah. And and, and, and that's why I even love his, his title of his uh, autobiography, Adventures of a Bystander, that bystander role 
you know, he says it's like standing off stage. You you see the audience and the actors, but you see things that neither of those groups see mm-hmm. as a bystander. And he said, you know, the answers he used to tell his customers, the answers have to be yours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They can't be and, mine. They can't, they can't be mine. They can't not be mine because then, and, and, then I'm just giving you my stuff. And, and, you know, even Dan Ariely, who we interviewed, said, you know, why is it that company leaders, you know, prefer being supplied with answers over asking questions? He said, because answers allow us to take action, while questions mean that you need to keep thinking. We can't have that, Ron. We can't have more thinking. <laughs> thinking is dangerous. You know what? People then have, ready, ideas. Ideas. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that whole ideas have consequences, which I love, and I'm sure you're familiar with that book by Richard Weaver. It's a it's a classic, and it's so true, and I've said that, you know, for decades now. Ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have bad consequences. But you know what? Ideas usually come out of questions. Well, they, well, they almost always have to come out of questions, right? I mean, idea, idea, does, uh, idea is usually some kind of a solution to a problem or a, a challenge that is faced, Right, so that 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 by definition, I guess, is a question. How how do I how do I do this better? How do I fix this? Right, or why are we doing this at all? Mm-hmm. And and you know, this is why I love the philosopher Bertrand Russell, who said, in all affairs, it's a healthy thing now and then to hang a question mark on the things you take for granted. <laughs> and and Ed, that's basically what I did with the timesheet and the billable hour. You right. know, I took that for granted. It was in my DNA, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? Where, where did this idea come from? You know, and I've I've learned that just that question, just tracing back the antecedents of something, can really help you uh, supplant it with something superior. Just yeah, ask asking questions as to origin, right? Right, right. Yeah, like origin of words. That's one of my favorite things. Is okay. Well, if I really want to understand this word, I've got to understand the origin of the word and how it's morphed over time as well. Right. And and I guess the other thing about questions, too, is people feel like they, they, they I don't know, they, they, they show ignorance or they're worried about looking dumb or, or whatever. But, boy, I don't know. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, like the, I know the founder of TED, a guy named Richard Worman, right? He said, mm-hmm. I know more about my ignorance than you know about yours. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> he, he bragged about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh Boy, I, sometimes I think Drucker's right. I think we should lead with our ignorance more. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's sort of like, and, and, and brag about, I ask better questions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which leads to, like, quick, quickly here before our break here is, what, what, are, what is an effective question? I think there are three overarching characteristics of, a, of an effective question. Mm-hmm. And the first one you'll not find surprising, right? It, well, it has a valuable answer. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. Right. Because you can ask a question that doesn't have a valuable answer and therefore it invalidates the question to a certain extent. Right. Um, it may, or it may, not, may just be a, a poor answer to still an effective question. But you, obviously we want to have a, have a valued answer. But I think these are the other two things that are important is that the questions, questions have a purpose. There's got to there's got to be a there's got to be a reason for the question. You know, a, it's almost a, a why about the why. I guess that what philosophers would call this meta metaphysics, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
or, or uh, what, you know, why, why about the why? Why, why are you delivering this question? There's got to be, an, 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 I guess, an intention might be the best way to describe it, an intention behind the question. Um, and then the third thing that I think is, is that they have to be effectively delivered. Right? I've, seen, I've seen people have good questions but poorly articulate them. Mm-hmm. And get so convoluted uh, that that you can't understand even what the question is, right? And if I, oh, wait a minute, I got to parse that out. Hold on, are you asking this? I mean, so the, and there are people who don't ask questions so much as they make statements <laughs> with, with a question somewhere buried in the middle, buried right? in the middle, <laughs> or you know, it, isn't that right? <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's so isn't true. that right? And when we when we get back, I'm gonna we're gonna take you through some bad questions. I had I've got a list of bad questions, especially from a professional uh, perspective. So we're gonna go through those when we get back from our break. But we want to remind you that you can. Always get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com if you send us an email. And we also monitor the hashtag asktsoe as well as do have a Twitter handle at asktsoe. So if you want to get a hold of us, those would be great ways to do so. And we love to hear your questions, So as obviously we do, because we're doing a whole show about questions. So please ask as many questions as you, as you like. But right now we're going to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here talking about the art of questioning. And as the historian David Hacker Fisher observed, Ed, questions are the engines of intellect, cerebral machines that convert curiosity into controlled inquiry. I love that. But mm. you have a list of or examples of bad questions. Yes. Yes. There, there, and, 
Yeah, sure, sure. The, for, the, there are questions that actually try to manipulate, right? Mm. And look, I'm, I'm going to give extreme examples of Like this. leaving questions from a... <laughs> from yes. a lawyer. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, to, to give extreme examples of this. But we're, what, I, what I think is true, though, and if you examine this, is that all of these, we are all guilty of, of, of sometimes asking questions like this in, to some degree. Right. So, but I'm, but I will admit that my my examples are off the charts extreme in one way, but sure. they're they're done to to uh, illustrate it. So, questions that manipulate. Here's an example. You know, Joe, the owner, thinks this is a good idea. Don't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the colonel thinks this is a good idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you know, G- General Patton wants. Yeah. To- <laughs> Think that's a good idea. Um, so that's manipulate. They some questions even try to gain power, right? They try to they try to so it's beyond manipulation, but try to gain power over someone. And a simple question that does this that I hear often asked is, "So are you with us?" Mm-hmm. Right? You know, this goes back to the George Bush type. If they're not for us, they're against us. Right? Right? Are Are you with us? Are you with us? And you know that's that that's that's an attempt to assert authority and power over someone. I've heard questions that intimidate. Could this cost you your job? Mm-hmm. Right, and th- that that's clearly something that's putting someone at, on a def- in a defensive position about self self preservation. Is that I, the smartest I, thing you could do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good example, right? That 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 wasn't very smart. Now was it? Um, <laughs> Uh, bo- boasting questions, and I know this is silly, but you know it, it, it's it's uh, effectively saying, and I and I hear this in the sales process, Ron, all of the time. So people people will go through and they'll they'll go through their whole pitch and say, you know, we've been around since the Kennedy administration. We've got more features than anybody else. We're the largest. We're the biggest. We're the best. We really take care of our customers, not like that other guy. Blah 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 blah. blah. But enough about us. What do you think of us? <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> and it it comes out a little bit more subtle than that. It's like, well, so what do you think? You know, oh, you guys are great. I mean, so it's you're just trying to get people to tell you how great you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but and it's it's subtle. You know, you don't say what do you think of me, but you but they do say so. What do you think of what we've said so far? Sure, sure. Some right? some of the closing books that you read, you know, in sales are very manipulative that way with the questions, you know? Right, right. If it was, you know, it was at the whole, was it Max Sachs or something like that, that basically comes down to, you know, can you, if, if, so what, what, can you give me a reason, any reason at all why we can't do business right now? Right. Well, I think your product sucks. <laughs> well, other than the fact that our product sucks, is there a reason that you can't do anything we can do business? Well, I hate your guts. You're ugly. Well, other than the fact that our product sucks and you're and I'm ugly and you hate my guts, is there any reason why we can't do business today? I'm like, all right. You know. <laughs> yes, there are. Um, there, there's confusing questions, and there's two two things on this. You can either just confuse or ask questions that contain jargon. So, has your company created a CRM SaaS strategy that ensures future pull? Right. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you? What are you even talking about with that question? And then uh, the the one that I think is very prevalent 
And I will say that I have done this. I, I admit that and I try to stop myself, but it doesn't always work. And that is that questions that you ask that make yourself look bad. Mm-hmm. And this is something like this. Can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Well, what have you been being yeah, now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell the truth here? Yeah. No, lie to me. I prefer well, but lie to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, can I be honest? Can I be frank? There's, there's, there's lots of variations on that, and I, and I do hear that an awful lot from professionals. An yeah. awful lot. It just makes you doubt their sincerity or or anything else. But okay, so you've given us some bad examples. So, Ed, how do you get good questions out of someone or a group? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things about asking great questions and set it, setting them up. And the the and this is some work, a combination of the work of Mahan Kalsa, who I mentioned earlier, and Peter Block. And I've just kind of stuffed their two thought processes together on this. But when we set up a great question, we have to set up a question in such a way that it creates a a, a future that is distinct from the past. Right. Mm-hmm. So a really great question does that. The other thing that we need to do to just even get ourselves in a mindset for asking a great question, so we're not even there yet, we're just, but is we have to give permission for unpopular answers, mm-hmm. right? We have to give permission for, for, for people to, to, to ask questions about our questions or to give an, an answer that, that may, we may not want to hear. And it's got to be known ahead of time. And the, be, the best way to describe this is, is, is are you? And think about this not from a sales standpoint, but from an internal organizational point where perhaps you as a leader are – and follow my my logic here – asking someone to do something, mm-hmm. okay? And you ha- the first thing that you need to do is ask yourself this. Are you really asking or, or are you giving a command? Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if, you're, if you're asking – you have to develop a culture inside your organization that allows people to say, no, I don't want to do that. Right. Right. Be, and that, then you can ask, so can you do this for me? But if it's not, if it's a command, make it a command and say, I'm telling you to do this, not I'm asking you to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you have to do this because if you're asking, what if you say, "Look, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you to do this." That's not ask, right? That's not asking. Asking implies a permission, doesn't it? Yes or no, right? Right. And if and because if I ask you to do something and you and you want to say no, what's the consequence? Well, maybe you're fired <laughs> if you if you say no. So mm-hmm. therefore, I have to say yes, right? And this is this is Peter Block, and I love this. If you can't say no, your yes means nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Kind of goes right. back to the whole freedom and accountability, and it does. you have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the book, at a more beautiful question by Warren Berger, he he and he. I love this. The Right Question Institute. Right. <laughs> There's a whole group out there that that deals with the right question, but they they do have a method they use called the Q Storm or Q Focus. And what they do, and they, they, they teach teachers how to do this, but they, they put up a, a, a statement. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just going to give an example here from the book. Torture can be justified. And then they have the students think in questions. 
So you have to ask questions around that statement, whatever it might be. And so if it's torture can be justified, then it's like, well, what's the definition of torture? Who gets to decide, mm-hmm. right, what, when it's justified, all of that. And what they say, based on years of research of doing this, is most groups stop around 25 questions. He said, but you want to push it. You want to get to 50 or 75 and then, and then you start to winnow, winnow them down. And they make a really interesting point. It's easier to winnow down questions than it is answers. Because we may not know whether or not an answer is right or wrong, but we know the questions that inspire us. Yes. And that look, you know, and, and I just think that's an awesome session to have, this, this Q-Storm session. I think that's a really interesting, innovative tool. Yeah, no, I, I, we've got got to try to work that into some of our future workshops, Ron. And I think that would be a fascinating conversation to 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 see people in in that mode, really trying to develop those questions. And you're right, questions are easier to weed out than answers. I mean, a- answers and they they go through a, a huge cycle of you know positive, negatives. But but we usually with a question, you can dismiss it uh, relatively quickly because we recognize great questions when we see them. We do. We they inspire us. us. Yeah, they inspire us. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about some of those in the next segment. But the other thing I love about this, Ed, mm-hmm. is, you know, not to put a, you know, not to put a fine point on it, but anybody can ask a great question. The dumbest kid in the room or the smartest kid in the room. Right. They're, they're egalitarian, right? I mean, anybody can come up with an inspiring question. They yeah. might not have the answer. <laughs> right, right. Right, but you know they, but they, but they've got the got the right question, and that's you know that that's what uh, what Eric Hoffer was talking about. Um, la- lastly, on this on setting up, um, and this I think dire- directly leads, and I'd be curious to see if the, your thoughts on how uh, Berger deals with this. But uh, the order of questions becomes important, and Peter Block says that we should ask questions about possibility and dissent early in the process. Right. Right. So we have the so when, when we think through this questioning process, we don't jump into questions about implementation first. We first have to ask questions about possibility and dissent, yeah. and under and understand both of those things. Right. Before we can, yep. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before <laughs> we go in and ask questions about ownership, commitment, and what Block calls gifts. Right, which mm. is effectively mm. what are, what are you bringing to the table here, Tables. right? So, but 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 we have but but the the order of those questions and how they come out are is critically important to the effectiveness of the conversation. You know, we did a whole show on Blockhead where you talked about the why versus the how questions, and yes. we said it wasn't that the how questions were were wrong or in a. It's just that they were ill timed, right? Most people put the how questions first. Well, in Burger. Burger's book, he's got this model, why, what if, how. Mm. <laughs> Notice how comes last. Again. Right? So the yep. why and the what if is kind of your possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all of that, and maybe even dissent in, in the what if. So I, I, I think the, the two books align, which is probably why I really like the, uh, the book, A More Beautiful Question. But folks, we're running up against the time block here. And uh, as Ed said, we'd like to remind you, you can send us your emails or ideas for shows. So some of you have sent us some ideas for shows in the future at ask 
T-S-O-E at Verisage.com. Also check out the show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. We will post full show notes and books and the C.K. Louis video that uh, Ed will post or Louis C.K. I always get that confused. But in the meantime, <laughs> we want to hear from Ed's employer and our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. One of the really interesting things about great questions, Ron, is that they can actually have an impact on the person even if the person refuses to answer them. And I think one of the best illustrations of this story comes from the Mayo Clinic where they did a double-blind study about the intake forms that they were using, where the standard intake forms telling you about you know, what, what, what precipitated this problem and all of the things that are on the normal quote-unquote intake form for a patient. And then they started asking questions about the healing process. And how how this person was going to recover, who was going to be there to support them. And wouldn't you know it, it's turned out in a scientific double-blind double study that people who were asked some of those questions that, that were about healing tended to get well at a better rate than, than the people who were not asked about those. That's totally incredible. Right. It is. <laughs> I, I, I've read that about the Mayo Clinic, and I absolutely love that. And, and not only that, Ed, but their doctors are taught and educated on how to ask questions. And I don't just mean, you know, verbally. I mean, like the body posture. They they are required to sit down and ask questions all the way to the end, which is their last question is, is there anything else you're concerned about? They can't do it as they're getting up, you know, standing by the door because people don't want to, you know, impose on their doctor's time, right? They know they're mm-hmm. busy. Uh, and it just that's great. Yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, there's three. Three qu- quickly, there are in my perception, Ron, three qualities of ambiguous of um, of great questions. They are ambiguous, personal, and edgy, right? 
Um, and so I think they have all of those those uh, qualities. And I'm going to sh- uh, throw one out that when I first read this question, I didn't like the question, and now I seem. Uh, the, the, but the more I've used this, the more I like it. And the question is, what is the crossroads you face at this time? Yeah. I really love that question, and I'll tell tell you specifically why. Um, it's definitely personal, right? You, yep. <laughs> um, and it's definitely ambiguous. I mean, nobody uses, or r- rarely do people use in a business context the words crossroads, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So, what is the crossroads that you or your organization face at this time? And when I have begun asking that questions, as as opposed to what what I was asking, which is what are the decisions that you're trying to make, right? That was a, a much more or less ambiguous question. But what's what's happened is when you ask crossroads, you go the, you go places that I, I was never even expecting. And had I asked the question, what decisions or what judgments are you trying to make right now? I would not have gotten those answers. Right, right. It, it's like asking somebody, how do you feel about that versus what do you think about that? Right. You know, mm-hmm. it opens up just a plethora of, of, of answers. You know, Ed, we've talked about Andy Grove before and how he took Intel from a memory chip company to a processing company and he did it relatively quick. And the question that preceded that was this, mm-hmm. if we were kicked out of the company, what do you think the new CEO would do? <laughs> what a great question. Uh-huh. And this new CEO wouldn't have the baggage of the memory chip, right? Nobody likes to kill their babies, but the new CEO would would come in and say, no, this is a dying industry or a dying market. Uh-huh. You know, can no longer compete. So I just thought that was was brilliant. And, yeah. and one of my favorite questions, and, and I got this from Peter Thiel, who wrote the book uh, From Zero to One. Mm-hmm. What is something I believe that nearly no one agrees with me on? <laughs> that is phenomenal. You know, that's what his venture capital uh, firm asks entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yep. Yeah. No. That's a that's a terrific question. That's a terrific question. I what one of my uh, favorites inside an organization. This is when I'm doing some strategy work with people. Is to ask them what is the story that you keep telling about the problems you face. Mm. Right. This is the 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 what's the narrative. Right. You know every every every. Every organization has a narrative, right? And we we sit around the campfire. By the way, the campfire is now called the projector. <laughs> right. We sit around, we sit around the, the campfire that is the projector and we keep telling this this narrative. What's the story, right? And then the follow up to that is what's the story is what are the what are the benefits of the story? Right? And people and, and we talk about that. And then I love this piece. And what are the costs of keeping the story alive? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Another set of questions I really like. And Drucker has his five most important questions. Yeah. But, I, but I like these two. What is our company's purpose on this earth? Of course, because we're such believers in purpose. Who have we as a company historically been when we've been at our best? Mm-hmm. Whom must we fearlessly become? What if our company didn't exist? Who would miss us? What should we stop doing? And where in the company is it safe to ask radical questions? Yeah. <laughs> where's our where's our petri dish right yeah. where can we go and 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 be like a startup be like an entrepreneur and ask game-changing questions yep good stuff all right well here here's a couple uh, a couple of more of mine and this is you know you've arrived by the way as a as a leadership consultant when you can ask this question and with 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 great confidence 
And that is what it, usually this is to an executive or a leader is like, what is your contribution to the very thing you complain about most? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I love right. that. Because that's if you're a, not questioning that, that's all you're doing is complaining about it. That's right. That's right. So it, well, well, and then it becomes, though, is what's your contribution? What are the behaviors that you're doing that enable th- that behavior to continue in the organization? And so it's, it's a fantastic question. And then I, I've got to share with you this one because this is, the, I, again, I mentioned Howard earlier today, but uh, he and I have talked about this. But it, it, we, it, when you're interviewing someone, if I firmly believe that if there's only one question I could ask on an interview, it would be this question. Who are your heroes and why are they your hero? Yeah, I, I love and that. And that's, that's, that's all I need to know. That is all I need to know. It's a great question. And Ed, this is one of my favorite questions. I use this all the time. In fact, I used it on our colleague Jay. And uh, he's, he's now doing something completely different than, than what he uh, was set out to do. But, um, and, and it's usually attributed to Tony Robbins, but it's actually from Pastor Robert Schuler. Mm. And it's, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? <laughs> yep. And and I love that line. Now that's been tweaked by other people to what's truly worth doing, you know, worth doing whether or not you succeed or fail, but I just love that because it takes away a risk of failure and that seems to be uh, a hurdle for a lot of people. Well, I think I think that leads us then to re- what I what I have learned to be what's called the mother of all questions. Mm. Are you ready, Ron, for the mother yes. of all questions? Yes. And and this again, I would I learned this from Peter Block. I'm sure he's would attribute it to someone else, but it, and, and but this is a, it. What you the question you just asked is a variation of this. In fact, well, if it's the mother of all questions, every question is a variation of this question, right? <laughs> and here's the question: Ready? What is the question that, if you had the answer, would make you free? Uh, it's, it's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that. I love what that. Is, what is the question that if you had the answer would make you three? And, you, and you've got to you've got to process that one a little bit. And here's what I love about it: there is there is no one answer that will sustain you your entire life. <laughs> right. And and Ed, what's great, and folks, what's great about questionings is they're you know they're more likely to not challenge you or ignore you if you ask people questions rather than sit there and giving them answers and telling them what to do. So I just think it opens up uh, channels of creativity and collaboration uh, more than answers. But Ed, that was I just what a great topic. It's so important, the importance of a beautiful question. But what do we have on store next week? Well, we are going next week. We have some fun stuff. We're going to do a live show. It's not really live, Ron. It's <laughs> but it was live from the Verisage Symposium that we had in Boston. We, we you and I participated in a podcast, and we're going to cut some of the stuff out. We got to get it down to uh, a regular show length. But you're going to listen in to live from the Verisage Symposium in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a bootleg. Yeah, hey, I love Soul it. Of Enterprise bootleg. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at uh, thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll have full show notes, and uh, we'll link to the books we mentioned, The More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger and other things. And also, you can contact Ed or myself at at ask tsoe 
at VerisAge.com. Folks, thanks for listening. We hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 